This podcast was created during the 2023 WGA and SAG after strikes. We understand that without the creative influences of these unions, we wouldn't have a show to talk about. So we encourage you to continue to contribute to the Entertainment Community Fund. You'll find the link in the show notes and continue to support it even after the strike is over. Thank you. Morgays, the Queen of Andor, has issued the following proclamation. This podcast shall be discussing the most recent episode of Wheel of Time. If you have not seen that episode and do not wish to be spoiled, go witness the Dragon Reborn in the latest episode and then return. So it is written, so shall it be done. Do you like to dance? I'll be in Serious from the bleeper. Taking out the creeper. No way of the leafer. Do you dance? Take up your stance. Leave nothing to chance. All of those white cloaks. Collecting some serious talk. Time to make them other bleepers go. Give them a show. Let's give them a show. Let's give them a show. I'll be in the mother bleeping she a toe keeper. I'll be in the mother bleeping she a toe keeper. I'll be in the mother bleeping she a toe keeper. Well, Priscilla, make a decision, damn it. This is your podcast, isn't it? <laughs> no. Welcome to Busting uh, Blockbusters. My name is Matt. I wear a funny hat and I talk in rhymes today. That's the way that this podcast is going to go. First, I'm going to apologize to our book readers who did not get a podcast last week. I had computer problems and I had a podcast ready to go and something in the rendering failed me. And so no podcast for Matt, but a new computer, which is fun for me. Also, just want to say thank you so much to all of you, meaning none of you, for submitting entries into our contest. I can't even buy you with $100, $100 worth of Amazon credit. I can't buy you. Folks, go to Bust Blockbuster on the socials. Find the video. Tell me which four television series are, in fact, made from those five book covers. Guess what? Two of the book covers are of the same book, so you can easily parse out. Maybe it's too difficult. I didn't. It is too difficult. Oh, it is It is too difficult. I tried. I, I couldn't get anything. Other than Eye of the World and Game of Thrones. <gasps> <gasps> Maybe Priscilla just gave you half of the clues. So you've only got two more to get. If you know what book, I guess, Eye of the World came from. That's great. Uh, with that, why don't we talk about episode five of season two, Demane, written by Rohit Kumar and directed by Maya Vervilo, uh, who I knew as a director for Star Trek Strange New Worlds, but I don't really know much of their work otherwise. Here's your synopsis. Moraine and Rand flee for their lives. Egwene and Nynaeve encounter a new foe. I've got Bubba with me. I've got Priscilla with me, and we're going to get to our ratings right now. 
court of Morgay's Queen of Andor is now in session. Hail. The Queen will now hear proclamations of ratings for this episode of Wheel of Time. Priscilla, what did you rate Season 2, Episode 5, Damani, on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, that's the highest rating so far. 9.5 out of 10 double L's. Double L's? Yeah, lusty Lanfear. I mean, Lanfear, we all knew that once she would be revealed to us, that she would cause some sort of reactions. And uh, indeed, she's doing a lot with a little the little clothes that she gets by the end of the episode, I must say. She's impressive. And Moraine, uh, she spends like uh, half of the um, of her dialogue with Rand is about Lanfear, which is interesting. So I think Lanfear came here to stay, or at least to make an impression on people like Rand, let's say that. Maybe people like Ishmael too, uh, because that was an interesting conversation. No, but come on, she was uh, behind the face of Rand when Ishmael was getting handsy with her. So I don't know what that means. I don't know. I'm not saying anything. Bubba, what did you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10? I want to be the highest, but I sadly can't. Because I'm only going to give this episode nine double LMs out of ten. Double LMs? Double LMs. Later, Lan. Miss you, Matt. No Lan, no problem. This was a nine out of ten great episode. Let me say, as a compliment, this is my version of a compliment. This was the first time that Wheel of Time as a dramatic television series felt like watching an episode of Game of Thrones of an episodic television series. It may have made a lot of sense considering the first scene in this episode took place in the same in the same filming location as a scene from Game of Thrones where Daenerys gave away Drogon. They filmed in the exact same place, but it felt like it. It's a large story where each character has a compelling storyline and the audience gets a bit of time to stay with each and gets caught up in each and there's lots of forward momentum. Lan, God bless you. You have been boring in season two. Matt, I, I find you a bit charming in season two, but your storyline to me as a non-book reader has no direction and I don't know its purpose yet. So I didn't miss you this episode. The big twist at the end of, hey, let's have the dragon reborn sleep with the enemy. That was a twist I totally didn't see coming as a non-book reader. I can see some twist coming. Like it was quite obvious that Leandrin was evil all these years, all these seasons. That was easy. Rand sleeping with the enemy. That was a twist I couldn't see. I thought it was brilliant. And then after seeing Lanfear in her bondage outfit, I've become a dark friend. Hello. Whoa. I mean, I shouldn't be so blatant, but she looked great. Great episode. Very compelling. Nine out of 10 from me. Natasha O'Keefe is definitely unhinged as Lanfear, <laughs> and I love it. I'm here for it. Now, you all know that I do soft on the rating, so that I can't rate anything below a 7. So if Priscilla's giving this a 9.5, I've got a one-upper just one little bit. I'm going to go 9.6, what I like to call double M's. Double M's? Double M? 
Yeah, double M's are moody manicures. Mm. Uh, the way that uh, the Sean Shan treat each other is is pretty ridiculous. Uh, and the way that they treat uh, their underlings is even more ridiculous, as we saw in this episode. But I am here for all of the wonderful stuff that we got in this episode. There were so many things for book readers. There were new a whole bunch of new terms for TV onlys, uh, which I'm sure Bubba will be asking about as we go along. Uh, lots of important characters. I absolutely loved it. Avienda. <laughs> Gee, can you guess, Bubba, how I feel about Avienda? Positively, I'm going to assume. Yes. You want to stay Avienda on the good side. is like one. Well, she's absolutely my favorite Aiel. She's okay. one of my favorite overall characters, period. Wow. And I know that yeah. not even Priscilla has gotten a chance to really get to know Avienda. But Priscilla, you yeah. wait. You are going to love her just as much as I do. You had action all over the place in this episode. It felt faster paced. Uh, Maybe just a couple of little lags. You had great one power action happening in Falma. You had great non one power action happening with Avienda. Uh, But I will tell you, I would have dropped this rating at least another point and a half if it hadn't been for the fact that we did finally get the return of Child Balder. Child Eamon, Valda, you are my hero. I'm glad you survived the stabbing, the wolf attack. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're asking questions again. So thank you very much for that. There was no Matt and Min uh, drinking gin or otherwise. So I took a, a point off, uh, a, a point one off of that for that. Um, I took a point one off for the PETA protests that Moraine is likely to get for what she did to that poor horse. And then I took two points off for color grading. And folks, I understand. I mean, I see this all the time, especially on that hateful place called X, uh, which used to be called Twitter. But people will say, I can't see the show. And then other people will say, well, you don't know how to change your TV settings and whatever. The fact that you can should be able to watch a television show to be entertained Let's face it, with Amazon, it is already socially economically stacked because not everybody can afford an Amazon Prime membership every year. It's If it's further stacked to where you got to have TVs where you can make adjustments or what have you, or adjust your computer, or what have you, I don't think that's right. I believe that television shows should make it so that a standard TV with a standard setting should be able to see it. I know you want realism. I know that that's important to people, but... If I can't see Avienda kicking butt as good as I would like to, if I can't see Landfear resurrect herself as good as I want to, then that's really going to bother me. And I'm basically being bothered on behalf of people who are in the same situation. I, I'm choosing to be lazy. I could adjust things if I wanted to. I've got stuff. I'm lucky. But what about the people who can't? Uh, and still with all of that i could only take off point two you would think that would take off two point but it's just a point two but i loved the episode my rant is over so it is written so shall it be done And folks, we know that 
you likely don't care what I think anyway. I hope that you care what Bubba and Priscilla think. But most importantly, we care what you think. And we didn't get much feedback this week. We didn't get any entrance into our contest, although Priscilla has now told me why. Uh, I mean, it's supposed to be hard. You think I want to give up a $100 gift certificate to Amazon? Uh, Matt, after this plea, like, like you talking so eloquently, like in favor of the little people of like the workers of the world now you're talking about the how much you making difficult for the people that are poor and not as fortunate as you to get into this context all right i have been corrected by princess priscilla and so therefore we will uh leave it at that and i'll figure out what to do over the next couple of weeks about that uh, but we do care what you think. And if you think the contest is too hard, you can tell me too. Uh, my socials are at Bus Blockbuster. And you can find the Double P Media Network on socials at Double PHQ, the word double the letters PHQ, even on Facebook, facebook.com slash the word double the letters PHQ. You can email me, Matt's Audio Blog at gmail.com, M A T T S Audio Blog at gmail.com, or you can email Bubba. Don't send him book spoilers. He doesn't want book spoilers. But if you've got TV show stuff, or if you just want to complain about me, hello at doublepmedia.com. The word double, the letter P, the word media.com. That same spelling is for the YouTube where you can leave comments. You can like, you can subscribe. You can do all of those wonderful things at the word double, the letter P, the word media on youtube and if you want to talk to priscilla because she's the only one who's actually sane here bubba and i just go back and forth from different extremes because we're used to doing that but priscilla actually usually talks with some sense you can find her on youtube at priscilla tv one so with that said if you have questions i'm betting bubba has more bubba has questions is next It's a time for the game that everybody's loving because Bubba asks really good questions and Matt comes up with really stupid answers. I'm Coach T, your host. Thanks for joining us this time around. This is where we will talk about situations in the Wheel of Time that Bubba has questions about. I haven't decided yet whether this will be a competition between Matt and Priscilla yet because I haven't seen the level or the seriousness of the questions. But Bubba, why don't you go ahead and ask the first question? Certainly. My first question, again, as a non-book reader, getting introduced to some of these internal politics that I don't understand. Help me out. I Am I wrong to agree with Suroth? Why not just kill this bum, the High Lord Turek, and get on with it? Why, why does she listen to him? Why does she let him cut off her stems? Didn't make any sense. Why not just kill him? Priscilla, your answer. Why my answer? I agree with I agree with Baba. I want him to get killed. Matt, do you have a counter for that? Yes, I do. Priscilla wow. and Baba, I believe that what you're looking at here is Ishmael, who is very calculating, looking at the bigger picture. Obviously, whatever has got Lady Sarath headed in to be in league with the Dark One, it has something to do with something that she needs. That is tied in to the fact that he says, well, do you want to start a civil war if this guy's killed? 
So I believe that the two are interlinked, and I believe that uh, she needs to just cool out. Lady Seroth has a hard temper, uh, a hot temper, and she doesn't think things through clearly, whereas Ishmael, cool, calculated, perhaps the best thinker in the whole show, and uh, especially when Moraine doesn't have her one power because she's just running, her mind's running frazzled. Let's go here. Let's go there. Let's send the horses here. Let's go send the horses there. No, Ishmael knows what's going on. And maybe he's lost track of Perrin, but I'm not sure that he knows that yet because he hasn't been informed because the people under him like Lord Turok, even though Lord Turok doesn't know that he's actually under him. He is under him. And I believe that in fact, that Ishmael is correct this would be a bad move for Siroth, perhaps the worst move for Siroth, if she just went ahead and killed him. I, I really like your answer, Matt, but uh, I, I still want him killed. I agree <laughs> with Baba. Well, I would say like, that I just didn't, none of that really can come across to a non-book reader like myself. And so uh -huh. you couldn't catch that in that scene that she wanted something and that he told her, no, that'll cause a civil war. Right, but between who? Like, she'll be in charge, right? Well, like, I think he said within the Empire, did he not? Yeah, but... If, if, Do you think these are the only people that are part of this? If they have all of those facilities and everything, they're kind of a scouting party, baby. Right, a scouting party where... You kill the you kill the terrible person in charge of it. You do a this is mutiny on the bounty. There's a reason why you you did a mutiny. That guy was a bum. Let's kill this bum. That's how I take it. Okay. Well, Bubba, I think you've answered your own question. Well, in other words, the show didn't give me any answer, and I hear your answer, and I guess it's it's talking about things in it's talking and not showing, right? It's telling, not showing. So, I you know I don't know what to say there, except it just didn't work for me. Okay. I mean, the only use I saw I saw for High Lord Turak in this episode was yeah. like exposition about this John Chain. Wasn't this the first time we ever saw this guy? I it think was. so. This week they said, "Hey, we can't kill this High Lord because it might cause a you know civil war amongst the Empire." I'm like, "What Empire? It feels like he's the one in charge." I understand they came from over the ocean, but. I don't know. I would just kill him. <laughs> and I'm, this sounds no, but crazy. I'm with they mentioned, they mentioned the Empress. He mentioned the Empress and yeah, like um, the daughter of the Nine Moons. And so does Ishamaya. So he's not in charge, in charge. So he, he would be like one step ahead of Surah. Okay. Cool. No, one step above. Sorry, one step above. Yeah. One step beyond. All right. Beyond whatever. Yeah, he's, yeah. Here's my next question. And all right. This is one that also maybe I'm not piecing together things from season one and all, but in this world, in this fantasy world of the Wheel of Time, you've got Aes Sedai, Sean Chan, Wolf Brothers, Aeels, Trollocs, Fades, the rest. How in the world do these non-powered white cloaks pose a threat to anybody? Like, how, how do they fight? How did they push back the Sean Chan out of that village that, that we found Perrin in in this episode? Yeah. I thought this guy in season one, he was great. Valda, he was great. He was scary. He was menacing. At that time, he was menacing our team without any powers. He was menacing Egwene and Perrin, who didn't have any powers at the time. Now, though... I've seen a lot of forces, a lot of people with power, and I'm like, 
you white cloaks, how in the world can you survive? It doesn't currently make any sense to a non-book reader like me. Mm-hmm. Matt, why don't you answer first? Okay, well, we did get some information in this episode as how the white cloaks might have run the Shanshan out. For one thing, the Shanshan, once you take your oaths, they pretty much leave you alone. So I'm not sure that there were that many to take out anyway, right? Uh, there may have been a, a little bit of a contingent. But then Sarath is also further criticized by Turok in the very first uh, scene about mm-hmm. stretching their forces too thin uh, by going to Auton's Mill, or that's what's referred to there. And so I, I believe that the White Cloaks could have a chance against that. But against all of this other stuff, I understand your frustration there. All I can tell you is numbers and belief in themselves, baby. There is this point in the book so far, I've read three, but you can see that there is like, there is evil in association with the, the dark one, no? like Trollocs, Fades, whatever. And there is like evil associated with men, really, like the Shen Chang. They are kind of against magic in a way. And the white cloaks, they, they are just there to show you uh, like the power of being a fanatic. They are basically against the dark one, technically, but they think that Aes Sedai are also in league with the Dark One, that they are also Dark Friends. So they are wrong in their beliefs, but they believe, as Matt said, and they have a whole like country full of them. So there are a lot of numbers, as Matt also said. But there is this difference, no? and we, I, I, I suspect that as, as the series progresses, we are going to see these two kind of evils side by side. I think that would be fascinating, and I guess I would love to see one of these fights so I could understand how they could win without oh. having mm-hmm. to without having to assume, okay, well, maybe they were stretched thin to me. I think just a couple of those Sean Champ could probably take out all the white cloaks. Heck, this one Aiel in this episode took out what felt like 20 white cloaks. So those are my thoughts. I was still 9 out of 10, but these both these issues, I guess even if they said it it didn't come across well at least to me mm-hmm. for the ruling this week is the fact that Bubba wins for asking the questions Priscilla finishes a close second for answering the questions correctly and Matt you're just in your normal spot thanks thanks coach <laughs> Let's go to actually to my musical analysis next, folks, where I'm going to talk about my favorite Aiel's theme, which actually came out on the soundtrack a a week or so ago and allowed me to pre-analyze it. And we did hear the verse section of that song in this week's episode. I am slightly behind the curve on keeping up with the musical events regarding the Wheel of Time, but Lauren Balfe has released at least a volume one of the season two official soundtrack. And this, not unlike some of his concept albums, has kind of an overview of what some of the themes that we hear this season are. A lot of them are centered around characters, 
and we may get some more music as the season goes on. I recently DM'd with Lauren, and he couldn't be very specific. But I wanted to take stuff from that particular soundtrack that came out, which has the singing performances and things like that. They're much more oriented as songs than they are as, you know, orchestral themes. But we got a new character in this week's episode, Avienda, and lo and behold, there is a theme for her in this soundtrack. So I thought I would go through that from the soundtrack perspective, and because this is such a unique theme, I think you'll be able to identify if you heard it in the episode or not. One of the first things that you find about this performance is that it is in mixed meter. Now, what is mixed meter? Mixed meter is generally the types of meters or the way that we count measures that aren't normally divisible by two. So your fives, your sevens, things like that are what we call mixed meter. And Avienda's theme is, in fact, in a very fast meter called 7-8. And one thing that's neat about 7-8 or 7-4 is that it feels like you're getting gypped a beat. We're used to symmetrical kinds of beats. So we like twos, we like fours, we like eights. But when you just have a seven, you feel like things are moving a little faster than they should. And that's great for generating excitement. And in this particular case, especially the fact that downbeats are still emphasized, like you feel like it's going to add up to eight, but instead it feels like you come up just a beat short. So you get counts like one, two, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, one, two, three, or like this. Adding the bass to play those stronger beats helps everything to feel strong. But you still get that sense of jumping. And this is why mixed meter is so great for kind of mission-oriented type themes. Think of the Mission Impossible theme. It is in 5-4. This one in 7-8 gives that same kind of this is important kind of feel, or this is exciting kind of feel. Now, the verse portions are oriented towards a minor kind of harmony. And minor is usually darker, but there are ways to lighten that harmony up. But first, let's just look at the verse melody. The shape of it kind of goes down to what we call the fifth step of the scale each time, and the fifth step of the scale also generates some excitement because the fifth step of the scale always makes us feel like we need to go somewhere from here. That's why ending phrases on the fifth is great for setting up a big chorus. So the verse sections sound like this. And once again, hanging on that fifth scale step makes it feel like everything needs to go somewhere else. Everything needs to get bigger or at least feel resolved. And things do get bigger when we get to the chorus.
Very exciting. It feels big. The melody is played in octaves, or rather sung in octaves, which gives everything a bigger feel as well. Plus, the melodic shape, how high or how low the notes goes, is pretty dramatic. From where the melody starts, there's a point where it dips way down lower. There's parts where it jumps way up higher. And essentially, the lowest that you have is here, while the highest that you have is here. And that's a lot of room for this melody to move. But more importantly, the way that these melodies fit with certain chords, if you were playing in what we call pure minor, some of the notes don't fit. And what Lorne does harmonically is he adjusts the harmony to fit it. Not only does it just make this melody work, but it also generates different kinds of emotions. For instance, the four chord of any key is perhaps the most important chord. You would think that the home key, the one chord, would be, but the four chord is what adds extra little tinges of emotion because you can have a major sounding key but if you put in a minor four chord it darkens it just a little bit and the opposite is also the case for instance here we have a minor key but the melody specifically goes to a note that makes for the major four chord and Lorne adjusts the harmony accordingly now minor is usually very serious and sometimes dark but by adding that last chord, that's a major four chord against the minor harmony. So it does just the opposite. It adds a little bit of hope into this otherwise more serious sound. Now note that that place where that little hope chord in all this seriousness occurs is in the lowest part of the melody. So what that means is that even when Avienda or the Aiel, when this character gets knocked down, it's always going to try to get back up. That's what that hope is about. And then we have this situation later on in the chorus where the melody gets to its highest point, but it's emphasizing the minor chord. What this does is it signifies that even when things are at their worst, hence that minor four chord, this character will strive to do their best, the highest note. So listen for that melody, for that theme, in this week's episode, and that's all that I've got for music analysis. Time to spiel, spin the tiny wheel of topics, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we have... Five topics on the list this time around. Avienda's arrival, that's a double A, a.k.a. the return of Child Valda as well, and the White Cloaks. Oh, yeah, parents there too. We have the double R, Rand Runs. It's all things Rand and Moraine. We have Teleron Riyadh. Say that three times real fast. Uh, also, a.k.a. name-dropping the Forsaken all things Lanfear and Ishamael. Then we have Brown Aja are all Lushes, aka Varen's investigation. And finally, the double F, Frightening Falma, 
aka masks off also nails off but that's everything Turok, which we've already discussed a lot siroth which we've already discussed a lot and of course a collared Egwene. oh god that just drives me crazy give the wheel a spin priscilla as usual uh the wheel has eluded me as to where it actually revealed where did it land uh, it landed on brow, azure, or all luscious, aka Varen's investigation. We're talking about Varen. I loved Varen in this episode. Uh, I loved the way that they parsed out that there, there were lots of new terms in all of this as well. Uh, things that we haven't heard before. Things that you can kind of guess what they mean. Compulsion. Uh, that does not sound friendly, does it? Uh, a weave of compulsion. Mm-mm. We can also guess who did that weave i loved her confrontation not really a com- her friendly confrontation with leandrin at the end i thought that, that was great uh i love that the brown sisters are pretty much everything i expect a librarian to be i just recently got a master's degree in librarian information science i have a master's degree that's what oh. i want to be just congratulations a lush who looks up information for other people uh that would be great uh i loved the fact that adelis uh makes a mean brew that all of the brown eyes you love all of these things i love priscilla what did you love about varen or dislove about varen i i congratulated you on your being very smart and being a master as you said, you got your master's, right? Oh, thank you. I wouldn't be brown Asia. No, I think I would, actually. But Very is quickly becoming one of my favorite characters in the TV show. Uh, I'm spending some time with her in the books. She's also great there so far. Uh, and I just heard, because I know spoilers about the, the like how the head story will end. So I'm looking forward to see what she's going to do in the future books. But so far, she has been amazing. She saw through Moraine. She saw through Leandrin. She's the only one so far that has been challenging Leandrin because Leandrin, she goes around the, the White Tower saying what she wants anytime she wants to anybody and she never gets challenged. And I have to give credit where credit is due. Leandrin, she got all covered. She covered herself very well. She even brought white asparagus with her, which made me question if she went to Germany, because if you are in Germany and it's April, it's all about white asparagus. It's everywhere in the streets. It's strange and crazy, and they eat asparagus with everything. But the that's, what, that's why we all come to Germany during Oktoberfest and not during April for like asparagus. No, we want beer. Yeah. That's, anyway, so yeah, asparagus is not my thing, but it's Leandrin's and Leandrin, she worked beautifully well in her trap. She got, she got like all the points covered, but varying is better than Leandrin. Bubba, what did you think of Nancy Drew? I loved it. I loved seeing Cho Chang from the Harry Potter films as a brown Aja. I I wrote in my notes, the brown Aja are the best. Now, once again, I you sometimes find out things after the fact. 
So this teacher, the instructor of the people trained to be Aes Sedai, she lied. And I'm like, I thought you couldn't lie. And then we find out, oh, there's this, you know, there's this uh, weave, I guess. What is it called again? The uh, compulsion. Compulsion. Yeah, I love that. And so I'm like, ooh, okay. And then suddenly, if this had been mentioned before, once again, it went over my head, somebody saying Black Aja really exists. Leandrin is fascinating. Now we have somebody totally wise to her moves. This gets me excited. This gets me to, you know, want to click next episode, click next episode. I thought it was great. I thought it was obviously a small part of the episode, but really strong, really engaging. So, Bubba, let me ask you a quick question, because sure. now you know that Black, Black Aja truly do exist. If you were okay. to go back and look at that pro, uh, the very beginning of this season and see that dark fringe social, you'll notice that there was one Aes Sedai ring there that was colored black. Oh. So do you think that was Leandrin? Do you think it could possibly be someone else? Uh, well, I, to be honest, I thought it was somebody like Leandrin, even without really thinking about Black Aja. And so I would think it was Black Aja. But I, but I also think there are there got to be others. There can be, you know, there there has to be a second, I would say. I think that you are absolutely correct in that guess, uh, because uh, Black Aja need numbers just like regular Aja do. So I... Uh, that's what Nynaeve was being recruited for, as we find out in this particular episode. You know, basically is what she was saying is, yeah. And uh, as we talked about in earlier episodes, she's Leandrin's basically understanding that if you're going to be Black Aja, you want that kind of power on your side. We'll figure out how to teach you how to use it, but we want that power. Um, so I think that that's uh, wonderful. I did love the fact that they have changed a little bit from the books, which I think is safe to talk about here, but this whole mm -hmm. involvement about Leandrin with her uh, son as being a primary reason, which uh, Priscilla, I think you might've pointed out at some point in a conversation with me somewhere is, you know, giving it a real stake uh, for Leandrin to want to change over. So I love that. Uh, anything else about the brown Aja though? I love, uh, by the way, I, what are the names of these girls that, uh, love their liquor just as much as Varen does? Uh, let's see. Uh, I think one of them is Yassica. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. like that. Yassica, and the other one yeah. is Naomi. The sh uh, so Naomi and Yassica, uh, very likable characters. All brown Aja are pretty much likable and annoying, but that's, the way that that goes annoying i, Every, I didn't think they everybody were annoying. In the, I, everybody that i love in the books also annoys me to some degree it's okay point. so fair enough it, they're very real all of the characters in these books are very real because i love bubba but sometimes he annoys the <laughs> out of me why bubba is perfect thank you finally somebody sees me as a pure white aja but i thought white was uh the absence of color I keep bringing that up. We'll never get the yeah. answer to that one. <laughs> no. Yeah, let, let Matt be Matt. That's, that's Matt playing the hits. I believe I heard this correctly. Your favorite character. We meet another new character, Avienda. She has been caged up and she is uncaged and ready to go. We are in the West. Elias is leading Perrin away from his buddies, which... I guess is good. Elias is like, they're not your friends. 
the Wolf Brothers were your friends. But Perrin, he spent too much time with humans. And so he's got to go rescue his friends. Hopper follows him. And he goes to bury Uno, which I think, once again, shows that we as an audience should like Perrin. He's got morals. He's got this and that. But suddenly he comes up on another complication. I mentioned the White Cloaks earlier, but it's not just the White Cloaks. There's this other person, an Aiel in a cage. And because Perrin's good, just, he's not exactly uh, nonviolent anymore. He is still fighting, I guess. But he he does have some time. The one thing, as a non-book reader, I watch in this section, and I think to myself, okay, do I need to know this quote-unquote good white cloak guy who's like giving water to uh, Avienda, and then Perrin says, okay, you can't kill him. It's like, okay, I got to know so many characters. I believe it's Dane Borhald. Do right. I have to know him as the quote-unquote human face of the evil white cloaks? But good, fascinating. Perrin's not my favorite. He's not in my top five. But this section and this new character, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I want to point out to you that I think you can probably could have done the math if you were really thinking about it, or or maybe you already have, but that name, Bornholt, uh, that is the name of someone that we met in season one, that last name, who was also a white cloak. You couple that with Child Valda telling him, what is it, the uh, yeah, but Child Valda says to him that your father's name will not save you or something. No? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Don't give water to Aiel, Dane. Who do you think you are? Um, you better give water to my Avienda. You just better. Priscilla, what did you think of Avienda's debut? Now, I know that you're in book three, so she's just really just kind of introduced in book three, right? You haven't learned feel- all of that much about her yet. I thought they did it very well with the they she she gave she was like in three scenes I think yeah. like the one that she speaks to pairing and is giving water is given water and then there was the second one Perry Perry frees her and we had a really good fight and the third one when they are already on the way to Falmon. So in these three scenes, you already establish a lot about the character that she, that where she's from, who she is as a person, what what she's doing there. She also says what what was she's doing there and what was she doing there, and also what her people is looking for in that area of the of the continent because it this has been kind of a question that has been asked since season one. In season one, we also saw another Aiyu in a cage, but he was dead. Mm-hmm. And people were wondering, what are they doing here? Like, they should not be here. And in the second season with Avienda, we have finally an answer. They are basically, as everybody else, they are searching for a certain someone. So in that sense, I think with these three scenes, we already have so many questions answered. And we have a glimpse on this character that will be very important going forward. Absolutely. And I absolutely adore her. Uh, Bubba, I'm going to throw a whole bunch of new terms at you here. No boy. A far die ice my, which uh, is the IEL language or maybe even old tongue for maiden of the spear. Okay. It's a troop. 
Sure. So uh, the other terms that you might uh, have, she says that she's from the threefold land. Now, people like Perrin and us had recently just called it the waste. Don't call it the waste, baby. It's the threefold land to the Aiel. She also said that they go there to meddle themselves or they've lived there to meddle themselves because of the sin. That is a big mystery that gets solved much later on. So just keep that in your head. And, oh, you got a question? Well, uh, not a question. I want to say what I assume. I assume looking at the map that, like, we focus on, like, from this one giant mountain range and then everything west of that to the sea. I'm going to assume that she's from the area on the other side of that mountain range, right? Yes. Is that correct? Okay, That is correct. Uh, and let's see what else. Oh, because she, uh, Perrin released her. She says she now has toe to him. And, uh, I think she even mentions Gia toe, uh, by name as it goes along. That's basically the IELTS honor system, which will also have to be much further explained over two or three books. So likely at least one season, we'll get further revelations about what Gia toe is. And that's stuff that uh, maybe Priscilla and I can talk about. The fight mm-hmm. was incredible. Aola Smart is just knocking this out of the park for me. Um, some of the some of that situation to me was actually from Perrin encountering a different Aiel in the books. Gaul, mm-hmm. you remember Gaul, Priscilla? Um, so I hope that that doesn't mean that we aren't going to get Gaul, but. Uh, at the same time, uh, they could wait until the next season to introduce him in that way. Um, but yeah, being in the cage, white cloaks around, all of that situation is very similar to what Gaul's situation is, except for the fact that Perrin was on his way to another place, not to Falma at the time. One thing that I really loved, it, w- it was Perrin hiding from Child Valda. I really love that detail. Perry was like Look, really hiding. And Child Valda is the savior <laughs> of the human race. How could you not fear him? He's especially Child when you're an evil wolf brother. Asking when questions. <laughs> when you are he's literally just wolf. asking questions. You know, when you're an evil wolf brother, you better fear Child Valda. I think Child Valda and Padden Fane would have the best night out together. They'd be like, oh, I did this. No, I did this. I I think it'd be crazy. Can you imagine spending a night in Tarvalin with those two? Imagine what they do. They might break into the White Tower, have a little fun, steal some of Baron's special brew. I don't think Child Valda would ever get to Tarvalon. What have we got here, Priscilla? Uh, we landed on Rand Runs. All things Rand and Moraine. Your favorite character, Matt. Do you want to rant about Rand? If that, this is your time, if you yeah. want to. I, I got to commend Rand this particular episode. He no. listened. He listened. He asked questions. He was actually a human being today, as opposed to somebody who just has an idea for his own and be damned everybody else. He was actually listening to Moraine. Now, and even he did not approve of that horse slashing. So I'm really for Rand in this episode. He's still never, ever going to make my top five characters, but I'm still really for Rand in this episode. 
Wow. Did you see that? Mama? It's incredible. It's incredible. Normally, Rand makes Matt's head explode like the one guy who had a horse. And now it's completely reversed. Black is white. White is black. This is incredible. Oh, it, all it took for Moraine to convince Rand to honeypot himself to Lanfear so that Matt would uh, finally approve of Rand. I don't know what this says about Matt. <laughs> is Matt for male prostitution? Is that what you're saying? I don't know. He's a li liberated man. I would say that watching this storyline, it's tense. It has a pulse, obviously, because people are being chased. You, as someone who was just earlier in this podcast, I was asking, how in the world can the White Cloaks compete against the people with all these powers? Here, with Moraine not having any powers, and they're on the run, whoa, you've got to use smarts. I thought it was kind of smart, but until the very end, I was like, Moraine, why, why are you still at your sister's house? Run, run, run. Now, as somebody who understands how TV and story works, it's like, well, we're not just going to leave the sister in this city and uh, forget everything that we set up here over the earlier four episodes. But still, I was like, run, 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 run. And then you're right when it becomes Rand Honeypot. And oh, my God. Oh, my God. What a twist. I loved it. I didn't even mind the fact that we're suddenly meeting a nephew who's going to marry the queen or something of the city. And he's got his own kind of odd, silly quirks. Like he's on a different show than we're on. We're on one where there's somebody who can pop your head or sew your lips shut chasing us. And yet here's this guy who's like on, you know, friends. It was ridiculous, but the whole story was great and tense and kept you glued to the screen. I loved how the relationship between Moraine and the sister and her sister uh, evolved. In two episodes, Moraine is finally listening to her sister and somehow adapting uh, because Moraine has no power. So she has to figure out as she goes right now. This is all out, like all her plans are out of the window. So I think it's very great that she can she's able to do that. Of course, if you have an actress like uh, Rosamund Pike, you have to give Rosamund Pike things to do. I understand that. But this is something that I think Moraine would do. She is nothing if not smart. So in returns or in terms of uh Barthenis, I think is how you say that guy's name. Uh mm -hmm. do we not all have faith in the future of Carrion if he is going to be the king? No. R.I.P. Carrion. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else on Rand? No, we love Rand now. Yeah. Rand is do we, great. Do we hate well, Moraine can... for slicing the neck of a horse? We understand you Moraine. Do, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, yeah. Lanfear did much worse than kill mm -hmm. one innocent horse. Um, can I predict, since I don't know where the story's going, can I predict where I would assume it's going to go? Mm -hmm. Go right ahead. Yes. Okay, so maybe this is i watched too much uh, daytime soap operas when uh, i was hanging out with my sisters growing up all right so what's gonna happen is rand is gonna be doing this spy stuff it's all fine he's gonna be safe in the city until the big wedding and then there's gonna be a moldavian massacre at the wedding rand's gonna be there lanfear is gonna come back and say we're getting married too incredible it's incredible and, and, and every night he's gonna he's gonna enjoy some uh um what did, what did they call that stuff? He's gonna he's gonna be in the um oh god, I can't believe I'm blanking on this. He's gonna be in the uh oh my god, what 
What were <laughs> those books? Know. All right, hold on, hold on. I'll Google and find it. But yeah. Rand, Rand is going to have a great time. Rand is going to have a great time in Teleron Riyadh, the dream world. Uh, yeah. You can talk about it now. It's in the tiny wheel of topics you already mentioned. I think you can go ahead. So we don't want to spin the wheel. We're just going to go straight into Landfear since we've already talked about Rand. Sure. Why not? That's a good idea. Yeah. Let's let's talk about a good old Landfear and her buddy Ishmael. I love uh-huh. the dropping of forsaken names and the fact that there were others. For a long time, book readers have suspected that they would drop the number of 13 forsaken and I don't, and given the, the number of seals and given the, uh, the names that were dropped, I think if you have Lanfear, you have Ishmael, we have Mogadine and Grendel mentioned in their little tell our Riyadh. Mm-hmm. You know? So that makes four. Now there are two male ones. She said the boys. And the boys so can I'm be assuming two, three, that all four yeah. of those are, are going to be boys of the four remaining of the eight. But I think that I can name two of them because mm-hmm. I've already read them in uh, early parts of the books. Um, or maybe they said the boys in order to keep it specifically vague so that you wouldn't guess. Yeah. But mm-hmm. uh, I think that I have six of the eight and I would like to ask book readers or TV viewers uh, I know that you don't know what the name Mogadine means. I love Mogadine. Uh, I know that you don't know what the name Grindel means uh, or who they're referring to as the boys. But do you think that the re- listeners, if, is there going to be just eight Forsaken? Because you saw eight statues in season one on uh, that one Warders tabletop. Uh, and they mentioned them specifically. Podcast flashback. I had a brain freeze on what yeah. Rand was what Rand was going to be doing over the next several episodes every night. And I realized it was 50 shades of gray. I apologize for forgetting that literary triumph, but that's what Rand's <laughs> going to be doing. I apologize. It's completely understandable that he forgot about Land. 50 shades of gray. As I mentioned at the beginning, Landfear is completely unhinged. This is the land fear that I love in the books. The one that just very casually doesn't care about anybody except the person that she loves and will do anything for anybody for that person. And now that we know that she's land fear and she keeps talking about how Rand is, he's so young, he's so naive, he's so gullible. Uh, and so she, at the end of the, you know, she's willing to snap heads uh, I wish the color grading on that had been a little lighter so I could have seen that head explode a little better. But I understand that's an effect thing probably more so than the other. Uh, but just the flick of the wrist, the growing of the mouth over the poor horse uh, keeper, that was awful. I mean, Landfear was a horror movie. This was, and even even the dress that she was wearing in Teleron when she was talking to Ishmael. I mean, this girl was basic instinct in wheel of time times okay there you go there you go way way more recent reference than my 50 shades of gray i want to talk about that horse keeper she tried she like she knew i just need to be quiet and just say nothing but she said one you know there was nothing she could do because 
Lanfear is hardcore. She is serious. You do not mess with her. R.I.P. That horsekeeper's speech. <laughs> Speaking ever again. Yeah, wow. she's. I hope that she can write because that's the only way she's going to have to communicate from now sign on. Sign language. Sign language. Oh, sign language. That's correct. There how, is how about eating? Are you? Are you? She's going to die if she can. Through her nose. How is she eating through her nose? Or well, well, it, it depends how tightly her lips were sewn. She could get a straw in there and like. Yeah. Liquid diet from now on. Liquid oh. diet from now on. Uh, what else about Lanfear and Ishmael? I thought that conversation was fascinating because of the mention of the Forsaken, because of the fact, Priscilla, that they don't actually seem, none of them seem like they like each other. At least Lanfear doesn't like anybody. Uh, and Ishmael doesn't trust Lanfear by any stretch. Uh, they all seem to be gunning for that number one spot at the dark one side is my guess as to why uh, they do it. But Lanfear pretty much badmouths Mogadine and Grenadal and the uh, the rest of the boys, them boys. So uh, what did you think of what were your impressions of that whole Talon Riyadh meeting? I thought it was lovely the way that she she was sneaking on. Shamael, because she she's as Moraine said, she's kind of a master in the world of dreams. She that's her that's something that Lamphir does well. And I didn't get the feeling that Ishamael was angry at her for sneaking on him. Actually, he looked very pleased that she was there. They were having a conversation civilized conversation and then it started to go downhill from there at some point which it was hilarious and you could see Lamphir kind of rolling her eyes at Ishamael because Ishamael is a true believer and the point is uh, the point that I got from this uh, the subtext of this conversation is that the, the dark one like they he promised things for each and every forsaken so they just don't wake up one day and decide okay I'm joining the dark side for no reason no they were they are promised things and in this case Lanfear as the story is telling us and then the phenom, the person that Lanfear wants most is uh, the dragon. She wants the main guy because she's Lanfear. She has to have the main guy. And what I found very, very fascinating is that Moraine, she notes that they don't know that much, but they know enough about Lanfear to say for sure that she loved the dragon. So it's one thing that she does is that she loves the dragon. And Rand, because he's too young, I know that I'm going back and forth, forth between the conversation uh, with Lanfear and Ishamael and the conversation between Moraine and Rand because I think they are they are together. No? They are very like they are mirroring each other. And Moraine thinks that they can tempt or they can at least investigate Lanfear through Rand, hence why he's, she's honeypotting Rand. And Ishamael fears that Lanfear will betray him because of her love for the dragon. 
So in these two conversations, you you already have this the glimpse bit, uh, in some of the desires of the forsaken, and I'm very curious about when are we going to get the other ones if we are going to dwell delve into the desires too, because we already know the other's motivation for joining the dark side. Now we know that Ishmael is the only true believer, according to him. And Lomfi is just there for her boy. Yeah. As are all dark friends, seemingly. Everybody's, uh, what was it? Uh, even a girl that tried to chase down Rand and Matt in the village in season one had her reasons mm -hmm. for being a dark friend. Leandrin had her reasons for being a dark friend. Everybody's got their reasons, and most of the time they're personal. Ishmael says he's above all of that. I'm not sure I believe that. I think they all just want to be at that number one spot because that means that's the, if the world ends, if they stop the wheel the way that they say that they want to stop the wheel, uh, there's no guarantee that without the dark one's protection that you're going to make it through that. So, yeah. you know, it, that, I think that that's the overall goal of Ishmael right there and, and, and the power. Because he clearly is calculated as he is, and as much as he plays the game, he's playing a, a game of houses himself with Turok, with Suroth, with all of these people, you know. And it's it's all in a, in service of looking out for number one. Baba, any other thoughts on this subject? You guys said it all, but the fact that the villains, Lanfear and Ishmael are honest and like, oh, you're going to betray me? Yeah, you're going to betray me. I love it. I love honesty. I love saying what we all know is going to happen. Bring it on. Once again, great stuff in this episode. Wonderful. Well, by my calculations, there's only one spot left on the wheel, uh, and that is the double F, Frightening Falma, uh, which we, again, we talked a little bit about in the beginning. Uh, where everybody rejected my perfectly sound argument that Turok is a wonderful leader. Uh, but uh, let's talk about this because there's some really horrific stuff that's going on here. Uh, Leandrin in the ways has shielded Nynaeve and restrained her. Not that, and I love the little joke that it's not like I really needed to shield you because what could you do? But you don't want to make Nynaeve angry. We know that. So, uh, or scared. So good idea to shield her so that she can't use the one power. The other girls are just completely knocked out. Uh, you get Leandrin's reasonings, and then you get into uh, the transfer. And it seems that uh, the way it's explained is that Elaine really is just kind of a sidebar, and it doesn't really matter what happens to her. But Ishmael wants... Egwene and Nynaeve and I'm not um help me out here was there any reason given as to why or is it yes. just that okay what was the reason well according to the series lore they are all Taverin the five right no and the plan that Ishamayo has, because it all hinges on the dragon reborn, choosing the darkness, choosing the dark side, choosing the dark one, because that, that, that's what the fight is about. Now, the, the, the dragon reborn can either save the world or destroy the world. And they want to have their boy back. So the plan of Ishamayo is to get all 
Ren's friends, turn them to the dark side, or at least destroy them so that Rand would have a nervous breakdown and get crazy and you know that's what the, what that's what okay. the plan is. Yeah, because Lanfear so, did say it will break him if he has he sees yes. all of his friends in peril. Okay. That makes sense. Uh because well, we'll probably just need that to makes a ton of sense, section. actually. That makes a ton of sense. We were wondering what the G was, and that's that's what it is. That's why he was that's why he's sending Matt to Kyrene. Yeah, but that's, that's, why... the, that's the thing that's hanging me up. I don't understand if you're going to have everybody else at Falma. He thinks parents headed to Falma as well. If you're going to send everybody it... else to Falma, why doesn't he tell men, hey, take Matt to Falma? I think the problem is that uh, he thinks he has pairing. He doesn't know yet that pairing right. is not there. And he thinks he says naive. He doesn't know naive is not there. Also, right? right. But Kyrene, um, I, I actually I had figured out why he was sending the match to Kyrene, but then I I missed the point because Lafir was in Kyrene, so he he knows that Rand was there, right? Right. So, so that makes just... sense. Okay, but what's he gonna do to Matt in Kyrene that will break well, Rand? Didn't mean had a vision. Of of Matt stabbing Rand. Yeah, but point. he wants. But but I was under the understanding that Ishmael wants Rand alive in that dark social. He said maybe he can be turned. He he wants Matt. Uh, he wants Rand uh, alive, but uh, a stab may not be what takes him down. Makes right? Yeah, or not? True. So that's true. If it's so that blade, think, if it's that blade, I don't see how he survives. Although, ah, oh, never mind. Loyal survived. It's all good. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, it's all good. Everybody survives. It's all fine. It's just the wheel keeps on spinning. There you go. There <laughs> yeah. it is. What did you think of Egwene? Uh, well, first of all, Bubba, let me ask you this: Did you appreciate the one power fight that was had there? at the gateway gate when uh Egwene stood up to them unfortunately it didn't work out for her but she did at least try to stand up to him no this is this is shocking stuff this is incredible stuff i'm i'm going to go back a bit when when leandrin comes out of the ways is that what they're called again the ways mm -hmm. i was like wow she brought horses through the ways that's cruel to the horses you're beating up moraine for what she did to the horses this seems just as bad mm -hmm. as if you ask me matt but then also, awesome. I love these two budding heads. I love Lorraine and Surath budding heads. And then, you know, we need our heroes to be challenged. They are challenged immediately. Leandrin, just because she's a petty, <laughs> she's a petty Aes Sedai, she releases them all. So then Surath's forces have to chase after them. Wonderful. Egwene, you know, I thought she was the main character in season one for most of it. Here in season two, it feels like she's a supporting player, but boy, this is going to be horrific. What's going to happen to her over the next several weeks? And once again, that's a something as a viewer, next episode, next episode. It's perfect. One of the things that I absolutely loved is uh, because this is slightly different from the books, and I think it's okay to say here because it's kind of basically taking place, is that once Nynaeve and Elaine are separated from uh, Egwene, 
uh, Elaine is the one that's kind of falling apart, you know, uh, over what's happening. And Nynaeve's the one who says, we got to buck up. We got to get different clothes. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to get the fall up. Uh, yeah. Whereas they changed it a little bit to where uh, Nynaeve is naturally, this is her friend. This is the person that she's cared about. She's a little more upset about all of it. Elaine barely knows Egwene. She lo- She likes her. But she barely knows her. And Elaine has been brought up in courts and everything where she's gotten probably uh, at least a little bit uh, more of a book education than Nynaeve has had. And so she's thinking this thing through. No, we need to change clothes. No, we need to do this. Uh, She's the one that says that kind of stuff. And I did love. And I'll talk definitely talk to Priscilla about this in the book section. But I did love seeing a yellow Aja in Falma because that's a, that's a, that's a big deal for me. Uh, and we'll see how that pans out in the next few episodes, but a good thing because poor Elaine and, and Nynaeve have had their head hits against walls so many times in the last couple of weeks, they need a healing Aja to help them out, get them over those concussions for crying out loud. Um, Priscilla, what were your impressions of the collaring of Egwene? Wow, horrific! Yeah, the whole that that whole civilization is a big no-no. Anyway, yeah, everything changing. I see no redeeming qualities. I'm sorry. Let's go back to something Turok said, and and again, this is a clear demonstration of the ends don't justify the means kind of thing because of what these people are doing to magic wielders but his statement his mission statement so to speak his corporate mission statement is we must unite all people to fight against the shadow that's what he said at the beginning of the episode no it confused me matt where uh, i don't want you to spoil me but why would he say that well uh You tell me because we haven't gotten any other information, but I took it as to mean we're going to conquer the world so that the world can take on the dark one. I thought it might be something like that. Like this idiot doesn't know who he's working with. Once again, just kill him. Save us all a bit of grief and get rid of this bum. (laughs) Like I said, it's a, it's a noble intention, but conquering the world, putting magic wielders in slavery, that ends or the end of, of defeating the dark one is not justified by those means whatsoever, at least not to me. Uh, and I was absolutely horrified by the Egwene stuff. Um, the way, uh, and for the first time, because you haven't really seen them in the shots before, but for the first time, we really got the demonstration of them being tied by a leash, like a dog. You saw that one power stream, uh, and it, it almost seems almost seems physical. Now, in the books, they are physical. So I don't know if they're going to go all that route at either. But you see that single little stream coming out of the collar and then going to the Sudam. That's what the masters are called, the Sudam's wrist. Um, there is just so much that is disturbing about this culture. I already said how much I hate them um, at the time. But if they are going to fight the shadow, can you completely hate them? Even if the ends don't justify the means? You can't. I can. Yes, okay. I can. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Priscilla says also. I had to ask the question. I would answer the question the same way. So uh, that's what I just had to ask the question. Well, it's a, just a matter of the, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. They are not your friends. It's just that you have a common enemy. It's true. But maybe if they're working, working on your enemy, then they're not working on you. Except that Turok already has it worked out that he's going to just be in charge of everybody. Or his empress, yeah. his empress is going to be in charge of everybody. And they're all going to fight together. Yeah, that's going to work out. Dedicated to Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time book series. This is something you should say behind your back, where Loyal is. You know, you look like Brett. And the Wheel of Time television series on Amazon Prime. You cannot well, see her face, how she can look like That's probably Brett. better. Well, 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 well it, it looks like she's got horns coming out of her head. She's got these weird finger extensions that are creepy. I'm sorry. You know, I judge this book by its cover, and I'm burning <laughs> this book. I'm taking okay, now, it to Florida so it gets tossed out. You're listening to Bustin' Blockbuster's Wheel of Time podcast. Look, I didn't choose this path for myself any more than you did, but I will follow it because I must, 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 must. It is time to play a special game this week. Last week, Bubba challenged Matt to name all of his favorite characters in terms of whether they were in his top 10, whether they were in his top five. Now, I'd almost ask Matt not to participate at all. I have my own top five list, which I might participate with, but we're going to all name our top five characters in the TV show. Matt, I want you to remember, you cannot use your book influence on this. What do you mean? I already know these characters. And when I see them in the book, whether they realize good or not, then it matters to me. Yeah, you got to get around that. You got to, you got to figure this out. You got to think. Man, I'm going to need a minute. Well, then we'll start with, uh, let's start with Bubba, because Bubba's the one that kept insisting that we come up with top fives. Bubba, what are your top five TV characters that you've encountered so far? And if, Priscilla, if you have one that's the same on the list, but it's not in the same position, go ahead and tell us which position you had that character in. Bubba. Do you have any outside looking ins? Do you have any number sixes, sevens? That you no, want I stuck to the rules. Top five, top five. I'm going to start at the bottom. And as the numbers get smaller, the characters get better. All right. So my number five is just the fades. They are the creepiest, scariest, most perfect monster for this world. They need to be in the show more. Um, when you see them, you know it is on. It is not playtime. It is serious. And so this sounds silly to say a, a pretty much a creature design is a, my top five character, but I'm giving it to the fades at number five. Oh, Wait a sorry. minute. Don't go. You don't go. I got to tell you that my number three okay. is fades. Actually, oh, wow. one specific fade, my GM and quarterback, uh, Mydrill Fade, is my fade, my third favorite character i don't know why you ranked him so low uh but unfortunately he will remain on my list no matter how many new characters we get because he's the one that got pinned to the door last week or two weeks ago (laughs) he he did a good job he did it he really held his pose when he was pinned to the door there okay my number four character in this may be a bit shocking it's just they they put her through so much and so she's kind of had great moments and moments that maybe aren't as engaging 
My number four character is going to be Moraine. Moraine, I said I without power, my number four character in the show. Wow, that's my number one. Whoa. Yeah. Why is she your number one? Why is she your number one? Because she's it's my number one story. too. Oh wow. It's my number one too. Yeah, not on my list. Yeah. No. Good work, Coach D. Yeah. All right. I'm gonna go to my two and three, and they're tied. This is ridiculous that they're tied considering one has not been in the show as much. But they have almost all their scenes together in season two. I think they make a good pair. I'm going Egwene and Elaine. Elaine as my two and three tied. You can put whichever one you want first. I guess Egwene goes two. And Elaine goes three. Really good, really fun pair. I want to see where they go. And when they're on screen, I pay attention. Priscilla, do you have either of those on your list? I have to think. You have to think. I, I, yeah, I have to think. I don't think know how to do that. So five. I'll just say, Matt, what, what is, <laughs> I have Elaine and Egwene both on my list as well. Uh, Elaine was number five. Egwene was number four. I, I get confused about that. Numbers are not my specialty. So I have to think. You didn't include a fade in your top five. What are you doing? <laughs> no, I, I never paid attention to the fades. <sighs> They don't. They well, they do they kind of disappear on you in the shadows. If you're not paying attention, they they, they could do kind of. Yeah. Uh, Bubba, <laughs> you're on your number one already, aren't you? Number one yeah. with a bullet. Let and me guess, Lan. Lan fear. He's a number one on certain list, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but um, my favorite character, and this will seem ridiculous, because they have not been on the show very long. Because I'm not including them in their alter ego, Celine. I'm saying after two episodes, Lanfear is my number one. <laughs> when she's on screen, it's scary. It's tense. You Once again, you are glued to this show. Lanfear, my number one. Lanfear made my number wow. three. She made my number three. And uh, I will mention as an outside looking in, uh, with only one appearance so far, Avienda has made it to number six um, already. Just absolutely love that character. Uh, I've mentioned Elaine, Egwene, Lanfear, and Moraine is my number one. My number two is Nynaeve. I absolutely mm -hmm. love Nynaeve as well, especially after the third episode I, my heart just went out to her when you think about how much pain she endured during that. Uh, mm -hmm. and I see a whole different strength in her. So uh, that that's my list. Uh, Priscilla, who, where's your list need to be completed out at? So number five, um, and just because we haven't seen a lot of it. So number five, Varing. Number four, Nynaeve. Number three, I have to say, Rand. In this season, he is, he's more of a character than like he was before. Like, I want to say he's more like uh, a character. He is more adult. Like, I he's can't less... Rand made any list here. That's just ridiculous. I mean, I'm not yes. a Rand hater like Matt is, but geez. Number two, Lamphere. Number one, Moraine. All right. That's an excellent list. That's an excellent list. Coach, do you want to give the rest of your list? Of course I do. Of course I do, Matt. Uh, uh, number five is me. 
I mean, I did great in season one. I thought I, I teared up the two rivers pretty well. If it hadn't been for that Moraine gal, you know, throwing bricks at my head with the one power, I probably could have done a lot more damage. Number four, Pat and Fane. Oh, that guy's got swag. Oh, I love that guy's swag. It's so good. Such a good whistle. Love him. Already mentioned third by uh, quarterback and GM, Michael Fade. Uh, my number two is Lanfear, of course. My number two is Lanfear. And my number one, I have to qualify, is Ishmael, uh, of course, because he is our fearless leader that we've seen so far. Now, if we were doing books, I would have had to, of course, use the dark one, because the dark one, of course, was my ultimate leader. And I fear what he might do to me if I didn't put him at number one. However, uh, since he hasn't appeared in the TV show, I thought he had appeared in the TV show at the end of last season. Uh, but apparently it wasn't him. So our owner, our team's owner has not yet appeared, but once he does, he will automatically go to number one. And I guess I'll slip off the list. Uh, so wow. Those are our top fives, favorite characters of TV. Uh, just a little bit of feedback here. Actually only one little bit of feedback here, folks. We want you to reach out to us at bus blockbuster on the social media at the word double the letters phq on the social medias uh you can send emails to matt's audio blog at gmail.com m-a-t-t-s audio blog at gmail.com you can also leave comments on our youtube as patrick kh4bx did uh, i believe that patrick is also on x or whatever that social media is called now where he actually recommended our podcast uh to the what up uh to the what series uh account which is uh, a highly regarded account so thank you very much if that was you patrick if not uh really appreciate you stopping by and listening to our last video who said i listened via the podcast but commenting and liking here for the algorithm thank you we like people like you i'm a book reader who enjoys listening to your perspectives and the musical analysis is especially illuminating thanks uh thank you Patrick, we really appreciate you stopping by. And I had responded to you, hoping that you might answer what you have thought of season two of Wheel of Time so far. Get back to us. Let us know uh, what you're feeling, especially after this episode. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from all of you. Be sure that when you're at Double P Media's YouTube, that's youtube.com slash at the word double the letter P, the word media that you leave comments, that you hit that like button, that you hit those notification bells, as John Monagal, McGonagall makes me say, yo, uh, do that. Hit, that. hit that notification bell. That way you'll know that all the great videos that are coming out on that channel, Baba is doing a seriously good job covering only murders in the building. Uh, Baba is tolerating my half-ass good job covering Ahsoka. <laughs> And uh, we're having a lot of fun with the Star Wars podcast, uh, Parsec Passion, if you're looking for it on a podcast feed, Patrick. And that is all of the shows that we're covering right now. You finished up After Party, right, Bubba? It's done? R.I.P. After Party. Uh, once again, contact us via those social medias at Double PHQ, at Bust Blockbuster. Uh, you can also talk to Priscilla via her YouTube channel at Priscilla TV One on youtube that's where you can find her channel and uh, she does lots of great videos in portuguese uh for the i guess it's primarily a brazilian audience or do you have a lot of portugal downloads too 
No, just my friends from Portugal. <laughs> the friends I have in Portugal, they watch. Now, it's mostly Brazil. Uh, the channel was growing uh, at the time of uh, Game of Thrones, but then uh, I deleted my account. And actually, Wheel of Time was something that made me come back to do videos and other things. So I guess we can blame Wheel of Time for my comeback to YouTube. Like... Uh, you know, but and after after I I I also watched a lot of Netflix uh, series, but I have to be honest. Uh, sometimes I give up in the like in the middle of Netflix. I don't know what's going on there. You can reach me on Twitter, as I call it, F I T T E N T R I M at Fit and Trim on Twitter. We'll be back with a book podcast in just a little bit. to Matt's audio blog at gmail.com and find all back episodes and other information at mattsaudioblog.com. Part of Double P Media, doublepmedia.com.